Okay, everybody, welcome. Uh, we're back for a new year with White Line Fever Kicks. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us, everybody. And before I introduce our guest, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, don't forget to subscribe through iTunes. And if you are watching on uh, YouTube, there's a little button down there, down there that says subscribe so make sure you hit that and don't forget to support us on patreon patreon.com forward slash white line fever easy to remember okay our guest our first guest for the year is someone i met through shane richardson many years ago and he's um uh i mean how do i describe him there's there's any i could take up the whole episode uh trying to trying to introduce him so i'll let him introduce himself but his name's alan cooper uh he lives in california and he's uh, been an expat Aussie in the US since the end of the 80s. Happy New Year, Alan. How are you, mate? Great, mate. Happy New Year. Nice to see 2020 roll over. Yeah, yeah. An yeah, interesting have... start to it already out here in California. Yeah, I was going to start with that. Um, as an Australian living in, um, you know, the journalist in me can't help but be topical at every turn. Um, as an Australian living in uh, the US as an expat, you've been there a long time now. What, what what are your thoughts on the events at the Capitol um, in the last 24 hours? You know, it's astounding. I, I was, you know, I'm a little bit of a, a history fan and uh, it's the first time since 1814. No, yeah, 1814 that the Capitol building has been uh, invaded and it was the British that did it in the war of 1812, mate. So to see that happen by Americans storming their own uh, Capitol building and the chaos that was created, um, I, it's just, it's incomprehensible. I, I don't know what to say because if, uh, if America can't protect their Capitol building <laughs> from the citizens, um, what else can you hope for? So stunned, uh, absolutely stunned, as the whole country is in the world is, I mean, Looking at the, the comments of some of the previous presidents, be it Republican or Democratic, it shows the, you know, the neutrality of, of where it is with their concerns for the leadership of the country. So I think everybody's looking forward to just a peaceful handover and, and let's, let's get it started. Let's get the bullshit behind us. It, it's, been, it's been divisive. It's been fracturing. It's, it's, it's been an amazing 35 years I've lived here, but this last 12 months is by far the, just uh, just uh, indescribable for so many reasons. Alan, um, you, you, you've sort of made your name in many areas, the automotive industry, uh, but as far as sport is concerned, rugby league, rugby union and cricket, um, over the New Year's you found yourself riding 160 miles in two days. Um, do you want to tell us why you did that? <laughs> What's the story you made? There? Talking about the news, you're in the LA Times, I think, uh, um, um, or one, one, was it the LA Times, one of the local papers, one of the LA papers anyway, for your efforts? What, what, what was that all about? Yeah, yeah it's, 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 the, it's the LA Times organisation. Yeah, so look, I mean, you know, just the full disclosure here, mate. 2020 has been a, a watershed year for me. Going through a divorce, started a business at the beginning of COVID, my third one out here in the digital space. And we obviously got crushed with that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still growing. Um, but just everything's been stalled out. We're one of those sectors that, that have been hurt with it. And so it's been challenging. Um, and, you know, got to the end of the year and it's Christmas. I got a house with no furniture. That all disappeared one weekend when I was away with, uh, on a trip. And no one around. I had a couple of mates that reached out. Um, some really good old neighbours had me over for Christmas dinner at their house. Caught up with my godson for the first time in a while. And But Christmas morning I woke up and I went, 
shit, you know, the world's in chaos and I'm sitting here in Newport Beach in California and it's, uh, you know, life's good. I mean, I've got a roof over my head. Um, what have I got to be sorry about? Um, and 12 years ago, I met Steve War in a random situation out here on a, on a fishing boat and didn't know each other, started chatting about stuff. And we had a mutual friend and Jim Tucker uh, through his cricketing days of, of covering stories. And one thing led to another that I introduced Steve to a couple of people about his charity and we became friends. And 2015, he had a bike ride called the Captain's Ride that was to raise funds for you know the Steve War Foundation for kids with rare diseases. And so I became involved in it and did a couple of them over the years. I'm not a cyclist. I never have been. But I love the camaraderie and, and how it helped me at a couple of pivotal times in my own life. And I, I, I went back to that on Christmas morning and said, um, jump on a bike and just let's put some awareness to some charities that are, that are dear to my heart. And obviously Steve War is with the foundation being been part of that from the beginning um, with fundraising. I decided to do my own little captain's ride down the coast from Santa Barbara, Newport Beach, because captain's ride was cancelled in Australia this year, like a lot of sporting events. And then I looked at if, if I could pull in a little bit of amplification of the messaging through other charities that are topical to the US. So I've got friends with the Johnny Mac Foundation, which is kids for education who've lost parents to the wars uh, and service here. Uh, Feeding America, um, always been involved with the food bank since I've been here. And then the Concussion Legacy Foundation, which is um, all about CTE disease and concussions and given my footballing past as an amateur, both at cricket and, and rugby, uh, uh, union and league, you know, knocked out six times and dozens of concussions, I believe that I'm probably affected with it. So I've, I've donated my brain when I pass away to be harvested and to do a little research. And so that was the genesis, mate. I woke up on Christmas morning like, kick yourself into gear, go and, go and get comfortable being uncomfortable um, and do this ride. and. Not fit, didn't have a bike, bought a bike on Boxing Day from a local real deal called REI and um, made a couple of phone calls to see if I could get a car behind me to chase me because of safety on the roads. I mean, this is not the place to be riding a bike by yourself or even in a pack without you know, a sad car. And so that happened and that's what I did. Um, did it over two days. Um, screwed up. Left my gear behind at the house the night before. I had to drive back from Santa Barbara, so I did 540 miles in 12 hours. And then the next morning, couldn't. I needed more rest, so I didn't get up at seven o'clock. I got up at 10 o'clock and finally left Santa Barbara at 12:30 and made it to Point Magoo State Beach at sunset, which was about 50, 60 miles, which meant I had to knock off 100 miles the next day. Um, so I thought, well, I can do that. I mean, you know, pretty, you know, it's pretty flat. I mean, so it wasn't there was a big undertaking from, you know, an elevation climb or things like that and getting used to changing gears and clip-ins and kicked off at 10.30 and I got to Newport Beach at 7.30 at night with a, a slight, uh, a very slight 20-minute lunch in Malibu with my dentist who happened to be there celebrating his 60th birthday. So that was the only physical contact I had with people around COVID. Uh, and he's a dentist, so we're all very much the six degrees of separation, sorry, six feet of separation. Um, but, uh, you know, from a social comment to just say it to you, mate, I mean, riding the coast and seeing the encampments of homeless, new homeless, um, 
under freeway passes and in Santa Monica and there's just this turmoil that is, is out there and the sadness that I saw that you know kids, I mean I could get emotional now. Um, seeing kids with Samsonite bags and uh, well, um, you know, pushing cards. Um, it really made you think, like I said, of like I'm writing for kids uh, that through no fault of their own and their families have found themselves in tough situations and it felt really good. Um, took my mind off everything else and it's really driven me this year uh, to do another ride, um, to continue for the same charities and maybe a couple more. Um, keep the same name, but it'll be, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Look at what, what was and where we can go. So I'm going to try and knock that off in May or June or July. Um, and bring it. So that's, that's what it was. It was a personal journey, mate. Um, but helping kids, I mean, just love it. Um, we'll put the uh, link in the comment in the descriptions for um, on YouTube and on, on the podcast, um, so to, to, so people can help with that with that cause with the Steve War Foundation and those other charities you mentioned. Um, you mentioned CTE, and I, uh, anyone who's uh, we've had a year on Zoom, and we all know that um, unless you, <laughs> for the free plans you get cut off. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna sort of ask a pile of questions. I'm just going to ask you to um, kind of outline your background in CTE. You've become um, something of a crusader. Now, um, we talk about topical. Stevie Ward, who plays for Leeds, he, he just retired two days ago, as we're speaking, uh, at the age of 27 because of, he'd been concussed and knocked out too many times. Um, we're, at the, we're at the kind of real pointy end of this issue in, in, in sport where... Um, you know, I mean, people are questioning the future of body contact sport because of um, this issue. So I won't ask you any tricky questions, uh, Coops, about, about this. I'll just ask you to kind of outline your, your journey with this issue and, and this, this illness um, and, and what you've learned and, and what lies ahead. Yeah, look, you know, mate, so, you know, the, the background is born in Queensland, born in, uh, in Ipswich. Um, started playing footy at six at, for Dara State School and I think that was the first time I remember being knocked out. We were playing at Nala uh, and we're on a dust bowl, I guess, and bare feet and shorts and I remember being, I guess, tackled and slammed into the, the clay, a hard pack and uh, knocked out um, and going home with a bad headache and, and that's the first one that I, that I know of. And then subsequently, you know, over the years, there's just been multiple times that I've, I've been knocked out. I started as a hooker. Um, with my footy and, you know, around 12 or 13 playing serious football and, and a little bit of representative stuff and knocked out a couple of times. Um, you know, the, the last one that was bad that, that I remember from footy was while playing for the Rats, you know, a number of concussions there and one knockout. But the worst knockout I had was high school and Paul Dawson was our coach and we were playing. A, I got tackled, you know, running down, the, running down the wing and didn't see it. And my head was slammed back into the into the ground and I remember waking up on the sideline and him holding up his hand and he's going, how many fingers am I holding up? And I said, four, you idiot. Um, <laughs> and calling your teacher an idiot wasn't a good thing, I guess. But, and then he said, well, that's the right answer. And then he said, uh, and, and what's the holiday next week? And I said, that's another stupid question. I said, it's Christmas, of course. It was Easter. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, yeah, you're not going anywhere. Um, but I went home, you know, that was 1976. Um, went to sleep, 
had a massive headache, did all the wrong things. We didn't know about protocols. Um, I got knocked out playing cricket out here. I took a bounce at the side of the head up here in LA um, back in the early 90s and just didn't think anything about it. And then subsequently, you know, I got depression, you know, I can talk about that now. I'm going to be a big advocate for it and talk about it. And it's one of the things that I'm talking to the docs that the number of times that when they did the research and they've done some studies in my brain, there's a couple of, there's a couple as a dark spot that shows a very traumatic experience, um, which they say could be one of those injuries uh, or it could be my back, which is another story. Um, I just know that I can, I sense things that I've read about with memory, um, thought process, things of those natures that really ring home for me. And, and before it gets too much further, I, I read, the, read the article that Chris Nikowski, Kinski had at, um, from the Concussion Legacy Foundation about rugby players in Australia and stuff. And I contacted and I just said, you know, you, you've got a missing link here. You're all about professionals that play for money and have relatively you know, short and long careers. Um, but nothing like the Crusaders, the weekend Crusaders, the amateurs that play for the love of the game, be it rugby league or rugby union or soccer, that play into their 30s and 40s. And the number of games that they play and the knocks that they take, not just in the games themselves, but in training, uh, significant. And when we talked through it, it made a lot of sense to him that there is an untapped resource of, for science to be able to get those people involved um, and donate. And I've done the same thing with my dad who was in the military. He was artillery for 25 years. And back in the 60s in Vietnam, the 70s and all that, they didn't wear, you know, protection for their heads. So the concussive effect of that compression of noise and sound for decades um, clearly had an issue with a number of them, including him. You know, he suffers mm -hmm. from some depression and PTSD. So I'm passionate about it, mate. It's, um, and, I, and I'd go back and say this too. I wouldn't change one part of my life. I love my footy. Mm. Uh, I love the cricket. I love the camaraderie. I love the team work ethic of it. You know, you're as strong as the weakest link. It's part of life, not just for our social environment, but I see it in the business world as well. The people that don't play team sports have a very different take on how they interact with people. And I love the physicality of it. It was an outlet for me. Mm. You know, the coops that you know sitting at a bar having a drink or on the beach having a chat with Richo, versus the coops that's got a ball in his hand that's opening the bowling, <laughs> I've got a certain intent and it's not pleasant. Um, and it's the same on the footy field. I'm going to leave everything out there. I'm going to tackle as hard as I can, as safely as I can, and run as hard as I can. But it's a physical outlet that I just loved. It. Um, but I'm very aware of it and I'm, and I'm concerned. I mean, because I look at it like you know, today. I mean, if I had a son, I mean, I've got one daughter. But if I had a son, I'd want him to have that same experience. And I don't know, you know, I have those concerns these days. I mean, I never wore a headgear, but I, I'd wear it today. Um, you know, protocols are different. I mean, you know, we can't wrap ourselves in cotton wool and, and just take away things and become nanny states um, or environments where we change what we've all come to grow and love. I mean, you know. NFL, they can't, that's not going to go away. Rugby union, rugby league, soccer, they're not going to go away. Um, you know, there's a, there's a story out here recently of a woman that talked about being concussed playing volleyball uh, at a senior level in colleges, but she took a ball to the head that was spiked right at her. 
she got knocked out and she's suffering as a result of it. And they're doing a little bit of study into that. So that's, that's the reason, you know, I, I got involved in it, mate. Um, I just see it at my age at 61, how things are playing out and look back in retrospect and want to, I want to contribute and help to make some changes that are positive and not, not let, not let things just run un, untethered, so to speak. There's a couple of questions out of that, um, Alan. The first one I have is we, we know with professional athletes that um, this leads to class actions and the NFL have, you know, um, um, you know, settled out of court with their players and we know the rugby union in, in, in um, I'm in Ireland now, I almost said in this country, but in, in England the rugby union uh, players are also taking legal action. But where does it... Where does it lead for amateur uh, sportsmen and women? What, what do they do? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a t- it's a great question. I think it's a tough question. Um, I, I just got to use, I'm going to use my example because I can't speak for anybody else, but I chose voluntarily to play those games. Um, I knew that there were issues involved. If I broke a leg or you know, or have a bad back injury, which have occurred from the game. That's my doing. It's my choice. You know, I don't, I don't go out there and not understand the risks I'm taking. Um, I don't think there's a place for amateurs to have class lawsuit actions. I think that going forward, um, you know, obviously there's going to be waivers signed. There's going to be protocols in place for kids at sport. Um, I just look at it as how we grew up in the 60s and the 70s. I mean, as where it is today, I mean, you know, I watch the parents around me here. You know, kids have got to be tethered to a phone um, and they're continually somewhat cotton wool wrapped, if you want, whereas we were allowed to climb trees, run barefoot through the, the bush, you know, don't step on a snake, stay out of the creeks, be home before it's dark. Um, you got the same sort of mentality, I think, around amateur sports. It's like we know what we're going to do. Trust in in what you do, but it's your decision ultimately. And you know, you can't. I don't think you can try and hold anybody else accountable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 not a place for for litigation in my in my book. Yeah, yeah. Because here, I mean, the great sort of con, uh, contradiction, I guess, is that you know, you look at people who who have suffered, you know, from concussion and other injuries playing sport and the, and the sport provides their um, um, support, you know, the, the, the community support for, 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 the, for people and, and sometimes financial support. And, and, and I personally think if, you know, if, if this leads to, even though you said it won't happen, if, 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 if body contact sport is found to be so dangerous that, um, it should be banned or heavily modified, then that is just so be it. That is just society. Um, but it's different if you are the person who is actually drawing attention to this. So I might feel differently if I, if I, if I played 10 years of first grade and, and had earned a million dollars um, and then I was going, coming forward and saying, well, this is dangerous um, and, and my, my action might lead to the end of that. So it might lead to nobody getting the opportunities that I got. Um, how would I feel? You know what I mean? Like, like it's one thing for me to say it's a natural thing. It's going to happen. People always take legal action because I'm an outsider. I'm observing it. 
you know. But if I'm actually involved in it and, and I'm faced with a decision that might impact on the sport from which I benefited, I might feel a bit differently. And I just wondered how you feel about that, you know, about um, the fact that these, you know, rugby union players in, in the UK and we're told there's going to be rugby league players soon who are bringing these class actions. They're 100% entitled to, they've been injured, their lives have been affected and, and you don't hold it against them. And it's not even worth saying in my view, view that you, but if you're in their shoes, do you take action that might endanger um, the very thing that, that, that nurtured and nourished you um, for, 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 for a large portion of your life? Hey, that's a kind of a bit of a, a, bit of a contradiction there. How do, you, how do you feel about that one? Personally, mate, I'm not, I don't believe in the retrospective um, viewpoint of it that, you know, 20 years later when we're educated as to what might have caused some issues that you can go back and litigate. Um, I don't want to see the sports curtailed. Um, I believe it's, a, it's an outlet for one, the people that want to play it. Um, and, and let's be honest, I mean, I, you know, I'm sitting here in, in America and football's all about the NFL and college football. It's a it's a very very small percentage of the population that plays because they don't have the infrastructure in place like we do in in the UK and Europe and, and every other country around the world for post high school um, social team sports it just doesn't exist. Um, so you know you go to college and if you're lucky enough to be one of the very small percentage there that make it great, and even you know more so if you get picked up in the draft for the NFL. Um, rugby union the same way, rugby league the same way, soccer the same way. I mean, I think when you're talking about it now, and, I, and, I, and I'm trying to think back to the ages of these guys that are stepping up and doing this, they're in their 40s, I think. So, you know, they clearly didn't make as much money as the players are today uh, around the world. Um, you know, it's, I understand it. I, I, you know, when, when you ask the question like that, like, yeah, they, you know, they've suffered financially, mentally, it's impacted their families and that if, are they going to be the guys that lead the way, that, that look after themselves? Um, I understand that. But I think there's got to be a, a line drawn here that you, know, you, you will create this divide and animosity in the sport where even people like me, you know, coming out and saying this. I mean, I've caught some shit from some people because of like, don't, you know, don't be talking about concussion and CTE and, do you want to see the game go away or, or do you want to see a change to the point that you know, there's no physical contact? Um, I'm just speaking up to bring awareness to it. Um, I'm not sitting here going to go and chase people for money. Um, but maybe there's protocols. Maybe that every league player, union player, has to wear headgear. Uh, the, the protocols for concussion are strict and adhered to. Mm. Um, you know, I look back at some of the incidents this year in league in Australia with the players that came and went with concussions and, you know, same with Union. You know, they shouldn't have played by the sound of it in a few games after their concussions. So, yeah. you know, just ensuring that we're looking at the, the professional side of the game, but that also sets the standard for the club and the kids' footy um, because just like leadership here, do what I say, not what I do. Um, and make sure that everybody's aware of the of the issues. It's it's a leadership issue, and it starts at the top. So I don't yeah. have the perfect answer, mate. I, I wish I did. But I yeah, know. but that's that's actually an interesting thing. Like Stevie Ward, a generation ago, 
definitely wouldn't have retired at 27. So, you know, when you're saying um, you know the dangers when you pick up a ball, well, we didn't know the dangers back then as well as we know them now. And if we don't talk about it, then we're, we're concealing the dangers and we're actually uh, creating a situation where there is a dereliction of duty and, 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 and cause for litigation. So that's why it is important to speak about it. Um, um, Alan, congratulations on your uh, fundraising uh, over uh, New Year's and, and also on your work to bring um, um, attention to CTE and, and to this, this issue. Um, are there any sort of links or places people can go to learn more about these issues or more about what, what you're doing? Yeah, if they want to go to uh, CCCCC2020, so double C, triple C, 2020, that's the website that a couple of mates put up, 24 hours notice for that ride that all occurred within 72 hours. Um, there's links in there to all of those foundations that link direct to their donation pages. It's a little story of the ride, and uh, it's going to be updated with some more photos and video, the article from the LA Times, and... Uh, and the next ride, which I think, like I said, is probably going to be in May. Um, I just, hey, thanks for, the, uh, thanks for the call, mate. It's great to see your face. And um, let's make 2020 a good one and hope that uh, the world gets some sanity and uh, grows in the right way with all the right positive changes. Well, I think we hope everyone's year is better than uh, last year, but I think that particularly is a case for you, Alan, uh, that you have a much better year. It's, probably, it's already started um, better because you you're on white line fever. <laughs> so uh, we'll see we'll see you soon, mate. And I hope I, I hope my next Thank time is in person. <laughs>